Duo Bloggers and Howl of the Post, Gary Kubiak, 2021 Offense Look. Hey everybody, it's Dave here and way too long, but with me is Darren Campbell and this is GMG's Two Old Bloggers. How you doing today, Darren? Doing excellent, Dave. I got my uh, I, uh, Christmas keeps on coming in the household. I got uh, you can't see it really because of the the, the video uh, where my camera is, but I got the new Vikings hoodie a couple of weeks ago, which didn't arrive in time for Christmas, but uh, I got it now, so I'm happy. Cool. That I don't have sweet. very many Vikings stuff. Like I've got a Viking shirt, an old Randy Moss jersey, and now this. Okay. I got to get a couple of hats. I love I love those purple, like the purple hat that you got. Those are always, um, for some reason, I've never got one, but uh, I need to get one. Yeah, well, this is the standard. The only one difference is this has got a bigger Norseman on it, which I mm. like. But yeah. mine's getting well used and faded, and it needs replaced as well. Ah, good. But let's talk. Uh, start talking about. Biggest news of last week is uh, Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, officially retired. And what do you see as a post-Gary Gary Kubiak uh, offense? Who's your favorite for becoming the new OC? I, yeah, there are... Uh... This is a big question for a lot of Vikings fans. And uh, let's uh, say hi to Mary and Drew. They mm-hmm. uh, both had messages and shout out to us. A shout out to them for uh, watching the show. Thanks, guys. But, uh, yeah, when uh, we we all knew that Kubiak was probably going to retire, right? So mm-hmm. it was just a the question was, okay, like, who are the Vikings? What, who is Zimmer going to re- bring in to replace him? And uh, read the story by Courtney Cronin earlier in the week. Um, when uh, Kubiak retired, and she's saying that the sources are saying, or the or the, the scuttlebutt is that the Vikings are going to go internal. Uh, oops, I froze there for a second. Um, and and so internal means either we, I think, it'd be either Clint Kubiak, the spawn of Gary, or <laughs> <laughs> or Rick Dennison, right? Um, and th- th- those are the two guys that he brought in. Part of the Denver Mafia froze up again. Must must be the internet on our end, Dave. Uh, blame it on blame it on Canadian bandwidth. Well, it could be. Um, I did want to just one second. Oh, don't tell me I killed it. Uh, I was going to bring in the pictures of the guys, and I didn't save my Denison one for some reason. Oops. That's a little bit too early. There's Gary. <laughs> yeah. And Clint. Clint. And Bond uh, of Gary. Yeah. And I forgot my. Uh, oh, where is it? Um, at least I could do it small. The Denison. Um, come on over. Here we go. Drop. And you don't want to drop. Well, the heck with you. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, yes, if it's internal. It is most likely between um, Denison and Kubiak. My guess is Kubiak, unless they do the two-headed 
co-offensive coordinators like they do the oh. co-defensive coordinators, and it's Kubiak and Denison. Yeah, and you know what? That may be how it goes and uh, as well, and I'll get into I hadn't really been thinking, and I was damn well hoping that we wouldn't do the cold thing, but it's quite possible that might happen. But initially, I was thinking, well, Gary, uh, he's, he's retired. He brought his boy in with him, both in Denver and then to Minnesota, uh-huh. and it's going to be Clint, right? Right. But when you look at Clint's resume, he's like 33. Okay, that's nothing against him because Sean McVay is a head coach and he's been a head coach for four years, and I think he's like 36 now or something. And right, and you got LaFleur up for the Packers, yeah. and there, there's plenty of young guys. Yeah, so the age isn't the issue. But just looking at his coaching resume, he's coached at Texas A&M, he coached at Kansas, I didn't realize, I totally forgot that this is a second stint with the Vikings, that he'd actually been with us in 2013 and 14 uh, with Frazier and then with Zimmer the one year. And then he was with Denver, of course. But he's never been a, he's always been a positional coach. He's never been a coordinator anywhere. He's coached at college or the pro level. And, uh, but you know, what's really impressive, remember when Cousins was saying about, that you know how Clint Kubiak really helped them this year reach another level. You remember uh, that? Yeah, you do. I don't. <laughs> no, it was it was at the beginning, and and this is the one thing that's an advantageous. If they select Clint, it's advantageous to the Vikings. The last two seasons with Clint there as Cousins' quarterbacks coach, obviously Clint was the one passing into place. They were called down from. On high on Gary, and then Clint was on the sideline passing the information. But the benefit is the last two seasons, statistically, even with the high interceptions this year at the very first five games, Kirk Cousins has had his best two seasons of his career. Part of that is yeah. on Clint Kubiak. Now, since uh, Kirk Cousins is technically under contract for the foreseeable future. It makes sense to keep the one person that has improved Cousins play the most still driving Kirk Cousins. To me, I can see that argument. I can see it very well. Whether Clint will get the job is unknown at this time. My my, I suspect that he will, but it's unknown. That one point, I think, puts him above of most other external candidates, and even Rick Dennison, because of what he does with Kirk Cousins. And if you want to succeed, your quarterback needs to succeed, yeah. and he's the only one that has done that so far. Now, the detractor on Clint is that like you said, his resume, it's relatively small. He has, when he came in under Frazier, I'm trying to remember the offense we ran under Frazier. Um, well, we had Musgrave as, Musgrave as the OC then, so I think it was sort of a West Coast type Sort deal. of West Coast-ish. And then under North Turner, it was Eric Coriel. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. we went back under it was, Sherman. It was ground uh, Coriel. Yeah, well, but his base Eric Coriel-style yeah. passing game. Um, and then under Sherman, Shermer and Stefanski, 
Was he here with Shermer? I'm trying to remember. 17? No, he wasn't. No, because uh-uh. he just came in with Kubiak in 2009. Right. Yeah. Came, and, came with Daddy. And under Stefanski, that is the wide zone, which is derivative derivation of the West Coast. Now, the Vikings so far have had Norv Turner, which was Eric Coriel. They brought in uh, um, John D. Filippo, um, which was more of a uh, RPO pass heavy Earhart uh, Perkins style offense. You had brought in Pat Shermer. Um, Shermer ran a more West Coast. Uh, you brought in Stefanski, which took the West Coast, and then the, the development of the wide zone from that is more of what it is. West Coast designed for quick passing, which generally helps the quarterback, versus the long seven-seven or seven-step drops like North Turner had Teddy doing. Yeah. Um, and then that continuity stays there. Uh, the wide zone is the the fashion current fashion in the league. Uh, most of your top teams run it. It's designed to defeat the, um, um, what is it, cover three mm-hmm. uh, by causing mismatches on the sidelines or mismatchings over the middle. I don't see anybody else available that runs it. And like I said, if it keeps Kirk Cousins happy and it improves his play, which it has, why change? Yeah, those are great points, Dave. And uh, um, I'm going to take a look at it from a, a like a non-Kirk comfort side okay. of things, and and just looking at the resumes again, as my screen keeps on freezing. But um, again, Kirk uh, Clint's doesn't ha- has never called plays at the NFL level, never been a coordinator at the NFL or college level. There's that. Whereas Dennison, as I looked at Dennison's resume, yeah, he's the offensive line coach, but he's been a coordinator with the Broncos twice, mm-hmm. 2006, 2008, with the Texans, and also with the Bills. And we, we, you've seen with Zimmer likes, I feel, Zimmer's history as a head coach is he seems to like the experienced, old-school kind of coaches. You know, he, had, he brought in Norv was his first OC. Mm-hmm. Then he had Shermer. Then D. Floppo. Uh, uh-huh. didn't go well. Then, no. he brings in, <laughs> then he brings in Kubiak to help Stefanski. Uh, yeah, and so he's taken Stefanski, you could say, obviously wasn't was a young, mm-hmm. sort of inexperienced guy too, but you had Kubiak there as kind of a guide. Uh, I kind of feel that, that now looking at the resumes, that it's, I'm thinking that if they're going internal, it's going to be Dennison. And I am not very thrilled at that prospect. When you look at where Dennison's offense is ranked the years that he's been the OC, like in Bronco, the first, with the Broncos, the first time around, they were 17th, 21st, 16th overall. The Texans, the Texans was, they had a pretty good run. He was, his offenses were ninth, 10th and eighth. And the last year was 31st, which is like, but they had some pretty good players. They had Andre Johnson, that was the Arian Foster. They had Shaw, was quarterback, and he was decent back then. Yep. But then when he went back to the Broncos with Fossil Manning, they were 19th and 22nd. And then with the Bills, they were 29th overall, and he got canned after that year. So, uh, and if you I look at the last, it's going to be Dennison. 
and but I hate hate I will hate it if he is because I just feel that with Dennison you're going to get the same kind of ground run the ball first and again we know that Zimmer's not going to bring in anybody who's going to change things up he tried that with DiFilippo hated it it went sour and that's never going to happen again with Zimmer so I kind of feel like Dennison is the guy and maybe, yeah, maybe they go co-coordinators <laughs> where Dennison is the, is like looking over Clinty's shoulder, just making sure the young fella doesn't fuck things up too much. Well, uh, uh, very well. It could be. Now, if you look at the current playoff teams, um, I think three out of the four are ranked one, two, and three. Um, yeah. When it comes to passing, the only one that's not who's more run heavy is Green Bay. Um, but they're pretty balanced. But they're pretty balanced. But everybody else, it's 60 40, easy um, on the passing. And it's also on the points. They're generating one, they're one, two, three, and like five on point generation. Yeah. Um, and Dennison, with his record, I don't see us getting anywhere close to that. We came closer this season with Gary Kubiak, but I think if we could open up some passing more and, uh, and I know Zimmer went to the more of the run, especially in those first five games when uh, Cousins was so bad to hide um, what Kirk, Kirk, (laughs) you know, the bad things. Now I think if you have Clint, calling the plays, I think he can stick in a little bit more. He's got the trust build up, working with Zimmer for, you know, a couple years, and then maybe put in more where we're targeting Jefferson more and Thielen more, hopefully a decent wide receiver three more, and Irv, and um, out of the backfield, the running backs. Dalvin Cook in particular, you even throw him out, lining up outside. That's fine. Do that and get more aggressive. And I think the key is aggressive, aggressiveness on the offense. And I think the Vikings will take that next step up into the top five offenses. That's what I see. Now, there are some external choices that people are hyping. One, the great Flip Mozzie. He's very, very excited and adamant that we need to hire Anthony Lynn the former head coach of the Chargers. Um, And Anthony Lynn, before he was Chargers head coach, was Buffalo's offensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn runs an RPO-style offense, the Earhart-Perkins style. And if we bring in somebody like that, that changes up the offensive scheme somewhat. Do you see an external coach of any sort coming in? Or are no. there any in your favor? No. I don't see what I have. I haven't even bothered to, to even consider them because I feel it's going to be Kubiak or Dennison or like you say, maybe a combination of both. Uh, I don't think uh, Lynn is, is coming in. If, if he likes the RPO stuff and we'd already tried that with Filippo and Zimmer canned it after eight games because we weren't running the ball enough. We were passing too much. He's not going to go back to that. He's, he's, we know Zimmer's set in his ways and that kind of, and on the offense, especially, and he's going to, he wants it to be run first, pass second, go through a guy, a dominant running back like Cook, 
and he's going to want a, a coordinator that does that, um, which is why I think that Dennison is probably his, okay. his man. Uh, and if that happens, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I won't, maybe I won't freak out and break things, but I will, because the offense, and we'll get into this in a few uh-huh. minutes, because the offense has to take that next step if the Vikings are going to get to the back to the playoffs, because the defense still needs a lot of work, it, I don't think we're going to do that if we don't change a few things and how we approach stuff on offense. And that ain't going to happen, I think, with Rick Dennison as your offensive coordinator. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but I'm stealing myself for the fact that it will happen. Or at least he'll be like, as you say, co-coordinator. Right. I'm not thrilled about Kubiak, Clint, the spawn of Gary either, because he's got no record as an offensive coordinator, but you brought you you brought up a good point about his work with Cousins, and as much as I know you don't like Cousins, and I've shit on him a lot too, <laughs> but especially this year, Cousins, and he does this all the time, but Cousins did do, you know, there were a lot of times where he seemed to me like he was, he was, he, he was the guy that, that that could like the offense was functioning well with him and he was playing well. It's yeah, just it, as a it's top just five like, quarterback. And yeah. then there was like the first five games where he was throwing interceptions yeah. off, you know, brain freezing the whole works. And you go, why can't we just have the good Kirk Cousins and keep him the good Kirk Cousins? Why do we have mm-hmm. to go through these times, these ups and downs? And by far they're the biggest swings on a roller coaster of the, you know, good Kirk and bad Kirk, you know? Yeah. I, the other thing about going RPO is, is, is that really uh, the, the best use of, of cousins is like, can you do that effectively with a guy who's not the most mobile guy? Like he's not a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or a Deshaun Watson who can you know, move around and uh-huh. like, it, it's, that's just not, his strength. He's just, I just couldn't see him naturally like putting the ball into the, the running back's stomach and then pulling it out. And then, <laughs> and, and, you know, running, that's just not something that I think you Kirk would be good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably the offense they're running now is, is the one that he's good at. He'd be comfortable in. And, uh, but they just, a few things need to happen for that to be running at the optimum level. Mm-hmm. And to which me, we can that's... get into now. Which, to me, is increasing our pass ratio over over the run ratio. And uh, just like I said, the top three teams that are in the playoffs, where you're at, and if you want to take all last four teams, where you're at least balanced and you're not heavy run, where you, let's exploit the run. It, It was, if you looked at the statistics for, Justin Jefferson, when the Vikings threw to him, it's like three to one. They threw him just, you know, a quarter of the time in the first half and then three times as much in the second half, right? When most of the time we're trying to play catch up last season. Yeah. Flip that, right? Mm -hmm. Throw heavy in the first half, build up a lead. And then you've got the run. You can run Dalvin Cook all day and Alexander Madison to kill the clock, right, and protect a two or three touchdown lead. But you can't get that two or three touchdown lead starting with those run, 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 you know, and that eight, ten minute drive. Yes, 
owning the time of possession most of the time wins you the game. But not always. But guaranteed, scoring the most points wins you the game 100% of the time. That's the route we should go, in my opinion. Thank you, John Madden. (laughs) (laughs) Scoring, if you score the most points... You score more points than the other team, you're probably going to win. Boom. That's, that's right. Works Boom. every time. Yeah, it works every time. But, uh, but yeah, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, we've talked about it. I think uh, uh, it's we're going internal here, and it's either Denison or Kubiak. I'm thinking it's Denison. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm thinking it's Kubiak. And maybe, and of the two of those guys, I think I'd like to see Kubiak get a shot if we're going to go internal like that. Um, as long as it's not like Clancy Barone or whoever our right. coach is. <laughs> so that, now that, there that, is that, one benefit to Clint being hired that you haven't talked about, and that is still that Mike Zimmer can then probably call up Gary and go, "Hey." You know, because he likes Gary so much and they supposedly get along great, call him up with Durant and say, hey, you know, and bullshit and whatever they do. And sort of, it sort of quasi keeps Gary in the loop. Yeah. How about score first? It's not not run run first. first. It works. Works every time, Ed. Works every time. Certainly helps, Ed. Yeah, certainly helps. I, I just at the yeah I kind of I know I know what you're saying there I would uh, it's a time to cut the cord with Gary you know he's if he wanted to keep it keep being involved uh, he shouldn't have retired <laughs> yeah like but a, I think he retired because of his health yeah I mean he had the health issue he's the only pro football coach I know of that had a stroke on the sidelines and then near and then had a heart attack afterwards and still coached both ways and it was the heart attack that brought him off the sidelines for a while where he's the advisor here in Denver, and then he eventually became the advisor in Minnesota, then took it over. I think I think for Gary, it's the health. Um, oh, we'll oh yeah. It's a big grind. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, a wee what, bit stressful. Oh, yes. Coaching in the NFL is very stressful with all the crap that you got to deal with on the field and off the field. Uh, those guys get paid a lot, and that's why they do. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, um, not a job that I think I'd want, <laughs> even if I was qualified, but I don't know. You, you gotta love it because it's a boatload of long, long hours to the point where you're sleeping in the office and, you know, as it's, oof. yeah, I love I coaching. I always did, but, and coaching's a form of teaching, but when you're sitting there and going, You've got so many people that you're responsible for and to and everything else. And you got basically the whole business is relying on you. Yeah, during the offseason, the GM can bring in all the personnel, right? You got the owners doing their thing. You got the public affairs department doing their thing, right? And you've got to make sure all that works perfectly during that multiple 20 plus game season, whether it be counting preseason and hopefully counting postseason, it's it's a lot. And then the training camps and everything else. It's a lot. I mean you gotta yeah, I mean, definitely it, be a type A personality. Put it that way. Yeah, you gotta be ready to put in 14, 16 hour days a lot of times, especially during the season. Um 
good luck if you got family. Uh, <laughs> Andy Reid knows all about that. He's, uh, he lost he lost a kid, uh, yeah, basically because he was never home, right? And um, the kid didn't have a father figure and stuff. But uh, we're getting kind of off topic, but <laughs> which sometimes is good. Um, but, but speaking uh, of, it, yeah, well, I must say, speaking of Andy Reid, before we go off air. Who do you think wins the games tomorrow? I'm going with the Bills, and I'm going with, uh, unfortunately, that team from Wisconsin. I'm going the opposite Uh, of you. Okay, good. I'm going the Chiefs, and I'm going to Tampa Bay. I I want for, I think the Chiefs-Bills game is going to be the most entertaining game of the of the weekend. I, that's going to be a fun one to watch. But I think the Chiefs with Andy Reid, his experience and uh Mahomes and the team was there last year. They have the experience, they know what to expect whereas the Bills, this is their first time in the playoffs since, you know, the Great Depression or whenever it was. And uh I know it's shorter than that, but it's been a long time. And yeah. I think I think it's going to I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. Now, on that Green Bay Tampa Bay game, the Battle of the Bays, I am hoping, now this is a hope that Tom Brady reverts to his January superstar super stud self and beats that team from Wisconsin because the idea of that team from Wisconsin going to the Super Bowl makes me want to hurl. Yeah, I've I've already hurled a few times. <laughs> Viking Jerome, hey buddy, hey thanks buddy, for, Rob, joining thanks, us. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're a little late. <laughs> but, Mary, but I, disappointed with going internal, but I I don't see it any. It may not happen. Internal. It may not happen. Maybe yeah. when some miracle, Zimmer will bring in like this whiz kid offensive genius that. Like, uh, like, like, wouldn't it be nice to see him do like, like, uh, Mike Tice did, you know, when he, and when he hired Scott Lenahan, nobody had heard of the guy, Louisville offensive coordinator. And he came in and he did a pretty damn good job. Now he had Randy Moss who made the whole <laughs> offense run, but, but, uh, that ended up being, uh, working out pretty well instead of going with the old tired boys that Zimmer seems to like doing. I don't know, Mary. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I do know for a fact that they have interviewed some coaches already for the job. Um, well, they probably have to interview like a minority candidates, right? That's that's part of that, the, that's the that's required. Days. Yes, yeah. by the NFL, unless they want to pay a fine. Um, but I knew I do know that they have interviewed at least one external candidate that I'm aware of. Um, I just feel that if last year the Vikings. Uh, were fourth in yards uh, generated, like the yards that they got, and but eleventh in points, which sounds great. But when you've got like a quarterback who was sixth in TD passes and eighth in passing yardage, a running back who was second in in rushing yardage, you got a wide receiver who was fourth in receiving yardage, and Thielen was third in TD catches. I think you should be higher, be better than eleventh in score in the amount of points you scored, mm-hmm. and this. And I feel if we have the right offensive coordinator in there, we fix the interior offensive line, i.e. get rid of Dozier and replace him with somebody, anybody, 
<laughs> and we get a third wide receiver who's a who's a, a threat. This offense is going to be a top five offense. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you need to be that to be that Super Bowl contender. And that is how that is why, even though we seem to be a little bit, uh, I feel that there's a lot of pessimism among Vikings fans about next year. The offense is where we where you can get a little bit excited about what could happen in 2021. And that I very much look forward to. And that's where our optimism lies. We'll know, we know on the defense, defense should get better just because we're bringing back healthy players. And you know you're going to get some in the draft. Hopefully, then second year for the young guys that were around this year, that's going to improve somewhat. But what we need is that top five offense. And that could happen. It could. And the defense going from like being ranked 30th to 29th or whatever they were to being like 20th or somewhere in the 19, 20, 21 range or somewhere like that. Should be enough. Yeah. With that, any last words? No, I'm just hoping that uh, that team from Wisconsin loses tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) It's rare that I'll cheer for Tommy Boy. He's because he's won so much, but this is going to be one of those days where I'm going to be cheering for the Bucks and cheering for Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's, I think they're going to be two very good games. I'll be very surprised if either one is uh, like lopsided. And I feel that the the Chiefs last week showed they're kind of ripe to get beat at home. And the Bills, I think, have got a even though they haven't been there very much and they're inexperienced, they got the mojo. And they got a guy that's named Stefan Diggs who wants it badly. Yes. Yes, he does. It, it could happen. It could happen. I did check the weather at both places. Uh, tomorrow, the first game is the one Battle of the Bays. You're looking at temperatures right around freezing. No precipitation that I saw. Um, I don't remember seeing. And then the later game between Mahomes and... Um, Josh Allen, you're looking at uh, around 40 or upper 30s, 40. So there's no drastic weather that's yeah. going to affect anything. So they should be good. Like you said, if if uh, Brady is used to playing in crappy weather conditions this time of the year, I know he's a year removed from it, but uh, I'd be a lot more worried about Tampa Bay if he wasn't quarterbacking and they had somebody else who's just likes that Tampa Bay weather all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Like I said, he played in the cold before his whole career, so I'm hoping for yep. super stud Tom Brady mm. to show up. We'll see. And then to suck suck two weeks from now. Yes. That would hey, I'm cool. <laughs> All right, everybody. You have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And as always, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody.